This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Grief Relief Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. My co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, is not on today because uh, we did a television show in uh, Palo Alto, California, and she's flying back to New York. So uh, she sends you all her love and, and best wishes. We've got a really important show today on helping children deal with death, and we've got our wonderful friend, Linda Goldman, on. Linda's a grief therapist in Chevy Chase, Maryland, and she is an adjunct professor at John Hopkins University and King's College and the author of Life and Loss, A Guide to Helping Children, Grieving Children. It's in the third edition. It's been a very popular book. And um, Children Also Grieve is another one, and Great Answers to Difficult Questions About Death. And maybe that's the second part of the, the book. I'm going to have to ask her that, maybe two different books. But anyway, Linda, welcome to the show, our good friend. Well, thank you, Gloria. I'm so happy to be there, and I love your show. I love doing it. I love sharing any information that I can on helping grieving children in today's world. Now, let me ask you, is, is that two books, Children Also Grieve and Great Answers to Difficult Questions in Death, or is that that's part of this book right here that I have in my hand that's so beautiful? No, it's actually three separate books and for three different oh. purposes. Um, okay. The, the new edition of Life and Loss, the third edition, the one you have in your hand, um, with a 12-year update, which I was hoping and praying would really bring our work with grieving children into the digital age. And so it really took a 12-year span of catching up with the world of children, the computer age, cyberbullying, the impact and effects of diversity and how children have different challenges because of life issues that they're living with, such as immigration, imprisonment with parents, um, issues such as adoption. They're all centered on in this book um, in today's world. And I also put an emphasis on really the growth of grief support camps and the universal grief child where we're really all in it together as a global community and cited one example that I worked with, which was a, a project in Haiti where after the earthquake, um, I worked with a group that wanted to help the children in Haiti, but um, wasn't sure how to do that because there was so much poverty. How could we do that? And I'll just give one example that we decided to help the kids create a rock garden and have them tell their story by painting on the rock. Um, and it just showed, it just uh, sort of validated for me that we can work with children with very little material, but just with kindness and support from mentors. Um, to answer your question about the three books, Children Also Grieve is a book for children that is an interactive storybook with a memory book in it where children can dialogue about their grief process. It's told through the eyes of actually my Tibetan terriers, my dogs, and um, then there's a part for caring adults. Great answers to difficult questions I really did for parents because I was hoping that if I set up a model of different scenarios that might be fearful for adults to talk with children from different developmental ages, 
uh, parents could use this as a way to reduce their fear and open dialogue about different situations ranging from suicide to the death of a goldfish. So there are three distinct different kinds of resources for adults and children, whereas this new book is really concentrated for professionals as well as parents on all the different aspects of working with children in grief. Well, talk to me a little bit about after a death. Uh, And it it feels to me like with the advent of all this information, it is great. I'm a parent out there right now, and I'm wondering, you know, how to help my kids after death. Isn't there a lot of pressure on parents? I mean, now you you have to go online, say my spouse died or one of uh, my uh, kids' uh, friends died in their class in school or whatever. It's great that there's such a huge amount of information, but isn't it a lot of pressure? I have to say the right things. I have to read the articles. I've got other kids. I'm going, you know, uh, I'm working full time, and now I have to be a grief counselor, and I have to be darn good at it because there's all that information at hand, and don't make a mistake. Uh, That's such a great question, and I think that my goal is to reduce the pressure on parents to find simple um, words, age-appropriately so, just to be able to open up a dialogue. Um, and I think it's important because from children to adults in every, every way that I've worked with grief therapy, I find that um, what, and Mr. Rogers said this, what is mentionable is manageable. And if parents can just feel the comfort zone to say, well, someone died, use the word death, um, death is when the body stops working. And then just be open to allowing a child to process their feeling in a safe environment without judging their feelings. Um, I don't think parents need to think of becoming, having all the knowledge in the world and um, becoming grief therapists. But I do think it's helpful for parents to understand what's common for grieving children. What are signs I might need to look for if I think my child is really having trouble? And what are they, Linda? Let's stop there. I think that's really a key place. How do I know that my child is is having problems? Well, I think it's twofold. It's how do I know that my child is having um, problems, and how can I know what's common to reduce my fear in theirs? Because if a child is experiencing a trauma or a death, they may have sleeplessness. They may withdraw. They may not want to be with their same friends for a while. They may cry. Um, They may regress. They may become the class bully, or they they may their grades may change. Older kids may begin doing drugs or um, um, excessiveness. But I think you have to give children the space to react to their grief situation. I think a child is often. We can see red flags if they in any way say they want to harm them, themselves or harm someone else. If you see a big change in their personality, um, if they become very fearful and this continues for a period of time, I think the wise thing to, to do is to find a resource that can help them. Um, and in today's world, as you know, Gloria, there, there are many grief centers for children and families. In Washington, D.C., there's the William Wendt Center. They have groups for cho- young children um, and adults and families, which is so helpful. Mm-hmm. I've also seen a wonder- wonderful increase in grief support camps. Sometimes kids feel alone. They feel that their peers no longer can understand what their experience is. 
And I found that if they know that there are other kids that have gone through the same thing, it helps to normalize this experience for them. You know, that's a, that's um, with little kids, you can get them to do that. But teens, it can be really hard to get them into groups. Have you got any suggestions for parents regarding that? Um. Well, it's interesting because in one way it might be difficult for them to get in a group. In another way, the very the very essence of their age group is peer support more than their parents. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I always encourage parents and teens to try try something one time, see if it feels right. Um, tell them what it's about. Tell them that that they're not bound to it, but to try one or two times. I often find they really appreciate a teen group, kids of their own age that they can talk to. Um, sometimes I find if I go into a school that's in crisis and there's three or four kids that really have a need to talk about the crisis of someone that died in their school system, that teen support group is very helpful because it's friends that can come together and grieve together for their friend. You know, t- teenagers love to grieve, and I'm, I, I have... Um, an example of a school system where the captain of the basketball team in 12th grade died the first day of school in a car accident. Mm. And those teenagers thought of so many ways that they could grieve. They had a huge mural where everyone could write on it and send a message throughout the school. They made the football field a location where they could go and leave notes for their friend that died. They had a car wash and a bake sale and raised money to have a new scoreboard for the football team. And they became active participants in the grief process, and I think that's key. How can we include children? How can we make them um, recognize mourners? Um, Gloria, if I can add, and this is something simple, one chapter that I added in this new book was how to help kids memorialize a pet and help with a dying pet. And the reason why I felt it was so important is because kids are so connected to their pets. Right. And it serves as a a teachable moment where they know they're recognized, where they can have their friends and do a memorial, light a candle, say a prayer, um, bury a dog bone. And then this serves to help them when other issues Right, yeah. You know, one of the one of the things that that comes up for me regarding what you're talking about, because my son was a junior in high school when he was killed, and he was quarterback of the football team and catcher for the baseball team. It was many years ago, thirty years ago, and they did a wonderful job of memorializing him. People wore band. I can't tell you all the stuff they did, but I'll tell you. I think the problem for family members, his sister was fourteen, is okay for a year or two, and then she's still on it. You know, and people are not talking about it not dealing with it, you know, uh, as time goes on. I think that's one of the problems with grief. Everybody's there at the beginning, and then they're gone. Thank you for mentioning that. I have a prime example, and that was the horrendous massacre of the elementary school kids in Colorado. And, um, I, you know, it's the same issue that once the initial grief or trauma has, ex- has been experienced, and the world feels like they've given to help memorialize, whether it be putting a police officer in that school or how everyone helped with your son, but then people forget. I, I actually created talking points for a senator so that they could understand that that school was traumatized. And throughout that year, those kids would be grieving and for many years to come. And that's why I feel it's so important. Not, and, and in this book, Life and Lots, I have... 
um, an inventory for educators on grieving children so that they know that this is ongoing and that when your daughter was 14, this might have happened, but when she's 16, she's still grieving. And at the same school with the same friends. Well, you know, Linda, I wanted to say how impressed I've been with the Internet because Scott died 30 years ago. And with the advent of Facebook, we have had people put on little stories and jokes and tell us about him from years ago where they've been kind of saving this information. And one of his dear friends made a YouTube you know, and send it to us, talking about him. And, you know, it, it's just the, the Internet can be really quite an amazing thing for kids. That's right. And people forget the year, uh, that date that, that your son died, or I had a baby that died, Jennifer, that that date is, is so important. And when one can, and the YouTube is, and, and the Internet, is, there's so many memory chat rooms. Kids have memory chat rooms where they can share their memories of their person that died. Um, and the visuals that kids can do is montages um, of their pictures and their memories of their friends. It's so meaningful. And I've also found that when parents have had a child die and their friends do something for the parents, it means everything. It, it brings that child back home to them again. Yeah. Well, I've got a, a, a couple of fundamental questions I want to ask you that people have asked me and knowing we were going to do this show. And and one is, should my child go to a funeral? I mean, people just, uh, you know, their child is four. Would you, would you let him go to a funeral? And the other question about this yeah, four-year-old I, I, is, should my child see the body? How involved should a four-year-old be? Um it's interesting because I just had a mom of a three-year-old ask me these questions the other day, and I think, um, you know, in grief and loss work, there's no black and white answer. I do think children can go to the funeral, whatever age, if they're infants and their dad died, and someone brings them to the funeral of which they probably will never remember. They can still say they were always at, at, at the dad's funeral. If a four-year-old and parents feel comfortable enough to bring that child to the funeral, I think the thing to look at is, is that child prepared? Is that child given choices? And, um, and not coerced in any way. And, and to prepare a child, we can say to that child, you know, we're inviting you to come to the funeral. So-and-so had died, even if they're there for a few minutes and they know there's a caring person that will take them maybe outside to blow bubbles. Um, just something that they can do or color chalk that they can wash away where they can be there and yet if they need or want to leave, there's someone available for them. Sometimes we find that kids imagine far worse if they don't go to the funeral um, and they feel like they're shut out and can't imagine why. Um, And as far as viewing the body, it's personal. It's up to each individual family. But again, preparation is key and paramount. When my son Jonathan was very small, my sister's mother-in-law died, and we took Jonathan to the funeral. We prepared him, and there was a viewing. And when we got up to see the body, my mom said to my son Jonathan, I don't think you should go look at the body. And at that moment, the funeral director came up to Jonathan and said, and to my mom, and said, you know, I find that kids often imagine far worse if they're not allowed. So 
So we sort of talked to him for a minute about what it was. The body had died, and they prepare the body, and he followed my sister to the viewing the body, and he heard my sister say, oh, she looks great, and he came over to me and said, oh, she looked great. So the fear factor had been taken away, I think, mm-hmm. by preparing him. But I, I do think kids have nightmares and, and other um, kinds of issues if they're shut off from it and they know it. As far as a four-year-old, I feel it really depends on the comfort zone of the parent. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you one last question, which I hear, you know, comes up, and it's usually from somebody who wasn't allowed to see something or wasn't allowed to do whatever. Yeah. And um, the question is, what do I do if my kids are, or I have a kid who's angry at me because I didn't take him to the funeral, you know, even a couple of years later? That's a good question. And I think a beautiful thing about grief is that we can always create opportunities to re-grieve. And if that child is angry that they weren't allowed, and lots of times kids are or they become phobic about ever going to a funeral, we can say to that child, what would you like to do now? Let's recreate a memorial service. Is there anything you'd like to say? Is there anything you would like to do? in your own way now that you can remember them and then give that child choices about what they might feel they could do. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and so I think it's never too late if a parent felt at that time it wasn't the right thing. Let's recreate a moment where they can, as a family, do something in that way. And and I think the idea of saying, particularly to teenagers, you know, I did the best I could at the time, but let's re- yeah. recreate something now. You know, I'm sorry if it didn't work for you. It it was what I thought was best at the time, but I could have been wrong, and let's do something else. I love that, Gloria, and I think that we can say that to all levels of kids in a way that we did the best we can. We, maybe we made mistakes as parents, not only with allowing kids to go to funerals, but actually telling them the facts age-appropriately so about what happened when the person died. But I think that we can always add that caveat and then recreate the situation. Um, So, yeah, that's a good point. I love that recreation idea. Well, Linda, thank you so much. You're always such a a fountain of wisdom. I love you. (laughs) And tell us us where where people can get your book, Love and Loss, A Guide to Helping Grieving Children. And also, there's lots of nice information about camps and all sorts of wonderful things that you will get in this book. It's it's really great. And the other two books you've got. So uh, tell us where we can find those. Well, they're all available on Amazon. Um, it's, it's Life and Loss, a guide to help reading children. And um, also the publishers are Jessica Kingsley and Taylor and Francis. So I think they're on their websites as well. All right. Now, do you have a website that we can visit you on? I do. And they're also on there. It's www.childrensgrief.net. Okay. So thank you so much, Gloria. And it's Linda Goldman, G-O-L-D-M-A-N. Thank you, Linda. Love you, and I'll see you at the ADAC conference. Yes, I will, and I love you, too. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening to our show today. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I hope that you'll let other people know who have had children grieving and that this book and show can be a great support for them. So uh, thanks for listening, and look for our show on opentohope.com. We post our shows every Thursday, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. 
Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope. <laughs>